0: Hello, and welcome to episode 129 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're source for drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content.
1: That's right. Just a couple of regular dudes drinking an irregular beer and talking about Magic the Gathering, in particular, the online client, MTG Arena.
0: Yes. And there was a very big, important event this last weekend, which we're going to get to in just a moment. But first. Each episode we pick a beer and drink it down to see how it stacks up to the beers we've rated in the past. So Jeff, what's on tap?
1: Okay, this week we are drinking a white IPA. It's called Boneyard Bay. It's from a brewery called Trestle. Mm-hmm. Um which is in Perry Sound. Never been there. Same.
0: Same, same, same. <laughs> but uh yeah, apparently uh a bone I guess it's not really a bone yard but like um the idea is like these old ship captains would take their boats and they would just set them ablaze and just push them out into the water and then they would just burn burn into the water and there's just a bunch of boats in the water now and so when the water's really clear you can see it that's what it says on the back
1: (laughs) oh interesting why Why did they do that
0: uh because they needed to get rid of them (laughs) so they just as it yeah so that is the boneyard um but anyway jeff let's crack these open let's do it oh alrighty. so we have some magic news uh for the most part this episode is going to be all about the world championship number nine um one of the events that happened this weekend, not the most important event, but one of the events that happened this weekend, um, <laughs> uh, which is just a, a fun joke. Uh, my wedding was this weekend, which means I did not watch this tournament at all. And I forgot it was happening completely. Uh,
1: Same. <laughs>
0: yeah. So if you've listened to this show for a few years, we usually do um, like fantasy drafts for the world championship. Um, it's something we really enjoy doing, and I was sad when I remembered last week, I was getting, oh, I was seeing all these tweets of, like, these pro players flying to Vegas, and I was like, that's pretty early, like, I don't think, the World Championship's, like, later, Right. and I was yeah, like, yeah. It's oh, it's in September, not October, and I was like, oh, gosh, so, Yeah. anyway, we missed the boat.
1: Yeah, I forgot about it, and then on, like, Monday or something, I saw the wizard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I definitely would have finished by the way, so. yeah.
0: Um but yeah, anyway, so Fantasy trophy. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um uh so we'll be talking about the world championships, some of the standard uh, decks that they were playing, and then some of the other cool decks we've seen around as we get into our standard portion of the season. We're kind of like tapering off from limited since um You know, we've been playing that a lot, and we've been acquiring all of our cards, so now it's time to get into playing the decks that we've wanted to build this whole time, and look at our, you know, uh, worth the slots and see if they're worth a slot. We'll find out. Um, But anyway, Jeff, the World Championship. Um, Do you want to give us a little breakdown of of what what happened? with uh what the formats were who won the top eight things like
1: that yeah so it was a little different than we've had sort of recently it was a much bigger event than if you like watched previous world champions you might not expect this um but it looks like we had 105 players they did this thing that the actual format of the event um, is similar to stuff we've seen in the past it was Three rounds of limited to start. It's a two-day tournament. Three rounds of limited to start each day. And then standard. And then they cut to a top eight. I guess three-day tournament. They cut to a top eight. Uh, and that was all standard. So uh, the players that made the top eight, some big-name players here, Reed Duke, uh, Anthony Lee, Jean-Emmanuel Pla, Greg Orange, Kazune Kosaka, Willie Adel, Simon Nielsen and Lorenzo Terlizzi um pretty stacked top eight to be honest I think Reed Duke like cruised into it too I think Mm -hmm. he went like 10 and 1 or something and then just qualified yeah which is pretty cool
0: and there was also a big uh thing that like Reed Duke and Simon Nielsen were up for player of the year because of all the finishes Oh, just all the tournaments that they've been playing, and I was going. to say, Simon Nielsen's
1: been everywhere this past year. Simon and Nielsen been winning is everything.
0: On fire, that guy. I also yeah. love watching him play because he's so funny. Um, there was mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so I don't want to get into it. I'll I'll get back to that at some point. Um, because he's yeah. just he he. When I think about playing Magic now, um, the more tournaments I watch and Pro Tours <laughs> he's playing. Uh, I always want to just play like Simon Nielsen because of how he interacts with his opponent in such a positive, fun way, even in the most intense yeah. situations. And that's the player I would like to be. Um, I'm never gonna be at these stages. Like that's just not in the cards for me, but he gives me hope that, that like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I sit down at a table, I wanna be able to be as courteous as he is and keep it light and fun and, and keep that. Um, right
1: that part you have nailed down oh thanks yeah. i
0: feel like that's not the true skill part. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, it's the
0: skill part uh, maybe a really big difference between you and simon <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like you know what i think uh you're uh you're working on the wrong thing pal <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe if you were an asshole you'd be a little better yeah
0: hmm. maybe maybe i should go the other way um but no, anyway, so... Simon Nielsen and Reed Duke were uh, duking it out to see who's going to be player of the year. And uh, it unfortunately didn't go nearly as as long into the top eight, because it was essentially like whoever gets farther in the top eight becomes player of the year. That was just like what it was brought down to. Um, But unfortunately, Reed Duke was uh, knocked out in the first uh, round, the quarterfinal. And Simon moved on and did win
1: his match. So he is our player of the year
0: congratulations yeah. Simon! Nielsen. way to
1: go Simon yeah and I bring this every time which has been a lot recently mm-hmm. like we said um but I can reiterate what you were saying about Simon because uh, right when we started the podcast and there was like the online tournaments that were happening all the time mm-hmm. I lost to Simon Nielsen a lot like mm-hmm. very often it would always be like like, you know, tournament's going pretty well, and you see your opponent for round six or whatever. It's like Simon again. God damn it! I never beat this cat. Um, I think I yeah must have been like oh and five against him or something. But he was always super super friendly, even just in the like chat uh, that they enable between the two players because mm-hmm. you have to like trade uh, IDs and stuff to to play yeah. actually play the match on Arena. Um, and he was you know always willing to chat about the game after. Uh, make some jokes so even through that like it'd be much cooler to play him in person i'm sure but Mm -hmm. even just through that like messenger vibe he Mm -hmm. definitely came across as a really chill person now he always won so maybe like (laughs) i didn't know that if i had won the match would he have been so (laughs) so nice but (laughs) it's true (laughs) but I, i believe that he would
0: yeah i think uh in his match um because after he moved on his uh, the semifinals he was playing against uh Kazune and uh Kazune's on uh Esper midrange and Simon is on Azorius Soldiers um which is cool to see the Azorius Soldiers get in there um really yeah. interesting topic as we're going to get into those but basically there's a situation where um Simon's attacking in with his Zephyr Sentinel which has a counter on it so it's um it's a 3-2 flying and it's it's attacking right into um, uh, Kazune's Rafine, and basically Kazune's just sitting there being like, "Do I do I block? Does he have Iganjo?" Basically, it's like I've, <laughs> if I block and I get blown out with Iganjo. Simon had already played one of his Iganjos, so it's like, "Does he have a second one? And does he have it in his hand?" And he's sitting there for a long time. He's like, "Uh, I don't know." And then he's like, "You know what? No, I'm just gonna block." I'll block. And then Simon like turns four lands to the side and then he's like, I'm just kidding. And it just pulls them back and yeah. they just kinda of bounce off <laughs> of each other and nothing happens. And it was just like <laughs> he was trying nice. to see if you could cheese him out. Uh, but yeah, they're yeah. both laughing and you know, that's like a fun a fun little <laughs> Yeah, I love
1: that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> trying to trick you, but uh no, you got me. I, you you called my bluff. Um Yeah. <laughs> that's just uh it's so yeah, funny. I feel
1: like I just always block there because of like, I don't like people getting free damage on me mm-hmm. like, he would attack either way if he had it or didn't have it he would attack so i don't have the information I'm yeah see
0: block. i don't bluff attack like really ever so it so it, i'm not at that tier is basically what i'm saying so like i don't go through that that uh decision tree and be
1: like you know what i've already yeah. come to this place i'm gonna block if they have it or if they don't <laughs> even I've... if they're gonna bounce though if they're gonna bounce off each other and mm-hmm. i'm the aggro player and i'm just not gonna this thing I'm always attacking yeah because well, they, no. they might not block and even if they do whatever
0: i guess that is true i guess i'm really thinking of <laughs> yes to be fair i'm always in the attacker's seat right and uh, that's true situation. you don't have to make these decisions i'm not making the blocks <laughs> yeah. i'm not even thinking like are they gonna block it's just like i'll attack and then maybe i'll get damage yeah.
1: Maybe they'll, you're not being like, oh, maybe they'll think I, I have a, a ganjo and they won't block this. Uh, no,
0: I'll just attack and then they don't block. I'm like, oh, I guess they thought I had a ganjo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll bounce, I'll
1: bounce creatures
0: off each other all day. Actually, yeah. no, probably not. But um, anyway, um, is it, it, this is always the weird thing. With tournaments like this, um, when is it appropriate to say who won the tournament? Do you say it at the right at the beginning? Do you try to bury the lead?
1: Like I say we do it right now.
0: Okay, perfect. Jeff,
1: who won this tournament? All right. The winner of this event was Jean-Emmanuel Desplat. Um Super awesome for him. He mm-hmm. also seems like a really nice guy. He's been around a lot in the past few years, just tearing everything up. And was about as close as you can possibly come to winning world it's like two years ago yeah so and i liked him at that time and i was like you know utah's story was so cool that i was like ah too bad gentlemen you know that sucks but but i still felt bad for him so it's nice to see him you know kind of get it back here yeah
0: it's really nice um if i recall uh that world championship two years ago i had texted you and you thought that john emmanuel depra had won because of what i had yeah I'd said, I was just excited. That oh, he yeah, yeah. He won like a previous match um, to get into the the finals. And I was like, just texting Jeff, like, oh, my God, John Emmanuel Dupre. And then uh, Jeff took that as, oh, he won the tournament. Um, yeah. And I was like, well, whatever. <laughs> and then you just like <laughs> went to the uh, I'm not watch now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, Jeff just goes to check out the articles
1: and it's just like, you Takashi! <laughs> <was> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, he was on your team, I think, Sean Emmanuel. So yes. It was like, yeah. So I wanted him to so do I, well. I thought I had lost. and <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But anyway, um, great to see him get to the finish. He, yeah. uh, he beat, uh, Kasune, uh, to, to really take it home. Um, but he resurrected, not resurrected, but like Esper Legends was back. He played Esper Legends, won the tournament with it, um, which I was surprised by. I hadn't seen that type of list in a long time. Like, I feel like we kind of put those to bed at like early July, end of June was kind of like when the Demir Demir decks were like on the rise and they just dropped the white and dropped the legend thing altogether. yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see it come back.
1: Yeah, I feel a little bit vindicated actually when I read this because I was just there was a time when we were talking about how Esper Legends, just kind of the best deck mm-hmm. after some of the bannings happened, like when they got rid of Fable of the Mirrorbreaker, Breaker, um, really cut out red. And we were saying, oh, well, Esper didn't get any worse mm-hmm. and it was already tier one. And then we we gave, took a bit of heat for that. People telling us like, Esper sucks. Yeah, and, and you suck for liking it. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> and then it did kind of disappear. And I was like, oh, I guess I guess they were right. Esper does suck. Um, but I still, in my mind, was always like i'm kind of happy about this because i can never beat esper legends like with Mm -hmm. the types of decks i play like esper legends (laughs) disappearing from the metagame was a good thing for me yeah but i still felt like it made no sense like the deck is still awesome so why i couldn't think of a good reason why it left and so seeing this was like there is no good reason i guess (laughs) (laughs) it's literally the world champion deck um so that was a little bit of like hey I might have been right. Esper Mm -hmm. Legends doesn't
0: suck. Yeah, it's really good, actually. Um, So looking at uh, John Emmanuel Depra's deck, um, really the only new card that he's playing is uh, Lord Skidder Sewer King,
1: which you had talked about. Two copies of The Rat King.
0: Yeah, that's basically it, which you had played against in Limited, and it was like a beating, obviously, because it makes like a rat every turn um but like you're saying kind of taking up the job of like the graveyard trespasser which i don't think this deck
1: played originally anyway um right so this deck kind of got the boon of getting that main deck graveyard hate that black decks get get access to Mm -hmm. but without having to play a non-legend that yeah. was kind of the problem before. Graveyard Trespasser is not a legend. And it's pretty important in the stack that your creatures are legends. Yeah. Um, so now they have one. I don't think that's the game changer that brought this deck back. I really don't think so. Um, the thing that surprised me is there's no creature land. I thought maybe, oh. They get to play the black white creature land now but yeah john emmanuel didn't even play it so
0: that is going Um, to come up over and over and over with all of these deck lists that like mm -hmm. what where the fuck is the creature lands like where are the creature lands i was expecting them to be everywhere i thought this was going to be like the tournament where they break out um there's some interesting choices as we continue through decks with that but uh yes uh mirex is yeah. still like the creature land of choice creature land the creature the land that shits out tokens of choice which this <laughs> yeah. deck isn't even playing because you have better things three to do. colors yeah. yeah and three colors
1: uh i, I guess also... merex yeah uh, the one turn just generally is enough this is three colors with demanding yeah costs. spells um
0: i would also like to point out that this is probably uh, a whole year of Wizards uh, Magic.gg site still uh, incorrectly showing you cards. Oh my
1: god, that was infuriating! Just trying to go through a deck list, I'm like, "Whoa, that's yeah. in the deck!"
0: I'm like, "Oh no, wait, like,
1: no, it says no. something different than no." It's sure. it's
0: <laughs> it says Fairy Mastermind, but the picture is Rona Shieldred's Faithful, and I'm like,
1: "Why right. is this?" As I'm like, "Which card is in the deck?" It's... Why is this happening? <laughs> One of these is a legend; the other is not. Yeah. But Um, I think it's the non-legend that's in the game. Exactly. But
0: (laughs) this is, we complain about this every single tournament, and I don't know why they haven't fixed it. It feels like such
1: an easy fix. Like, there's just some weird bug floating around. Mm -hmm. You just get your, like, software dev intern to go find it. Yeah, please.
0: Um, Figure it out. But anyway, uh, besides that, the other thing I want to do with this episode is... Or that we do is kind of talk about the deck that we would take from this tournament to go into the wild and start playing um mm-hmm. and i think this is one of the obvious choices for everyone's going to go pick this one because it's the one that won um forgetting yeah. that this deck was not very well represented in the actual meta game and you are not jed uh those are the yeah. two big things that uh, you just forget like sure play and practice the world championship deck Um, but this happened last year with Grixis uh, with Nathan Stoyer like yeah people just to me started playing that deck not fully myself included not fully grasping why I was losing and just remembering that's because I'm not the world champion (laughs) Nathan's (laughs) very very good
1: yeah uh happened the year before too like Mm -hmm. is it dragons was kind of dying or dead Mm-hmm. and then yuta won worlds and then everyone took his deck list and started playing is it dragons and got a quick reminder of the fact that they're not Yuta takahashi and
0: yeah
1: it's very difficult to win with this deck <laughs> yeah
0: and there's a lot of decision trees and points and stuff so just remember that when you're when you're deciding to pick up a,
1: a deck from this tournament um yeah. yeah but also like you know be prepared to play against a lot of Esper Legends, um, mm-hmm. you know, like sort of alluding to earlier, I was happy to see this. Just from, uh, hey, we vindication Esper Legends isn't a bad deck, like we said. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also kind of like, oh man, like I'm going to get my ass kicked for a few weeks. <laughs> exactly, this is a very bad matchup for me. Yeah, uh, especially with like the, the like the rat is also pretty good against me. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> the only new card in the deck actually makes the matchup worse and the matchup was already there so.
0: yeah um i do want to go over to uh kasune uh, kosaka's deck which is esper mid-range and yeah um this feels a a, a bit different than esper mid-range we're used to obviously you have um some of the regular things with like denik um, we're playing Shieldred and Rafine. Rafine is like the, mm-hmm. the marquee for Esper mid range, um, but he's also playing Lord Skidder, the Sewer King. So, like all the
1: copies of
0: I think all the copies of Lord Skidder in the top eight are in the finals. Uh, just about yeah,
1: because Kazune was the finalist, the yes. runner up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, like we've talked about. Before Lord Skitter's just a good card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always just wrote it off as when I was first reading through the set. Oh, that's like the rat lord, it's for commander. It's for commander, like yeah. rats. Um, but then when I actually first game of limited ever, this thing comes down on turn three and whooped my ass. I was like, actually, this thing's just constructed play. Like, this is just yeah. a constructed power level card. Like, it's it's just, just good.
0: It's just good. Um so Kazune is is playing uh creature lands he's playing two restless fortresses which is the white black one which is the one i would expect to see i don't know if it's because um john emmanuel is uh playing scruff or has more like one drops and things like that so wants to make sure that um or it has a you know one two three is a big esper legends play you want to like hit all your your curve if that's why he decided not to play it because it's a tap land but uh in any case uh, kazune is playing it um which i think yeah. is that's what i expected
1: i was like there we go that makes sense right um i really like kazune's list it's basically like i'm just gonna play the best cards play mm-hmm. like Shieldred, the wandering emperor uh, wedding announcement uh, like which is a black white mid-range deck mm-hmm. and then i think he anticipated a lot of aggro which yeah. uh, was the case the top bait's not a lot of aggro but the tournament was a lot of aggro mm-hmm. and Denik is the card that aggro decks do not want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really think that's probably kind of a genesis of this deck. The idea is I'm just going to play black, white mid range that has all the best cards and standard, the most powerful single cards. And then I want blue for Denik uh, to beat aggro. And once I have blue, I should obviously play Rafine and mm-hmm. make Disappear.
0: And yeah. Play. And just... Be able to do those things um yeah Denic is obviously amazing with lifelink uh with his lifelink and um specifically dealing with like large uh large battlefields full of tokens um yeah which happened in this tournament um just being able to obviously do what two three lifelinkers do just sit back and and block and then obviously you can get counters on it with rafine and win races when your opponent can only just attack with a bunch of 1-1s so um you know what you, jeff we uh we were right this is the best disturb card and uh yes. no one's gonna remember we got
1: that but... we're just been like that's, that's what this episode is just yeah. we were right about we were everything right. you know sean emmanuel obviously listened to mm-hmm. our show and as you... Esper legends was very good
0: yeah yeah that's um, obviously what uh, what happened there um yeah the other cool thing about Kasune's deck is Virtue of Loyalty was a card that I just kind of like bypassed. Um, looking at the set, anytime there's like some big enchantment thing, <laughs> I, I tend to just like skip over it. <laughs> but um, we specifically. Oh, I, I've
1: been high on this card just because it just makes it. I just view it as like a 2 2 for 2 with Vigilance. I was thinking of it in like a token strategy, but. Uh, yeah. Um, this has some of that going on, but I wouldn't call this a tokens. I guess there's Wandering Emperor, there's Lord Skidder, and this wedding announcement. So there's enough tokens going on. that Oh,
0: for a lot of sense. this actual list, yeah. um, Because this is the one that, uh, it adventures, you can make a 2-2, but then when it actually comes down, uh, during your end step, you get plus one plus one counters on all your creatures and untap them. Um, Yeah. Which just, again, lets it so you can attack with your Denik, and then put a counter on it and untap it, and then it blocks. And then you gain life on both sides That's a lot of life yeah it's a lot of life uh so i'm anticipating seeing a lot of that card as well because i just think people are gonna see hey this was in the uh the world championship mm-hmm. uh this one is good you can't it's you can play more than just the black one um yeah of the virtue cycle um uh going through the rest of the top eight decks jeff i was just going kind of by the uh Going down the, the line. The bracket. Yeah, yeah. the bracket. So uh, let's do Anthony Lee's Golgari mid-range deck.
1: Yes. Love this. Um, this is like, I think, exactly the deck that I've been seeing, or close to, mm-hmm. I've been seeing online a lot, but with a bunch of one-ofs that I've never seen. <laughs> like you have your Mosswood Dread you have your mm-hmm. Glissas, your Shieldred. That's like the curve you're looking for. They have the obviously, you know, Anthony has to make me look bad, bring the Blossoming Tortoise that I made fun of. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
0: <laughs> I love it. And, but you know, and
1: you're like Liliana's and stuff and Virtue of Persistence. That's like you play online, you know, uh, on Arena in, I'd say, Platinum and up, and you're running into that core. But the rest is so interesting, because mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of like, one. Uh, there's one Misery's Shadow, there's one Bramble Familiar, there's one Sentinel of Lost Lore, one Nyssa, the like Phyrexian Nyssa, a mm-hmm. couple of main deck to rest. there's Gix's Command, like, I dig this. Like, I- yeah. this is the type of deck i always put together and i'm not like super confident in it it seems wrong there's a bunch of weird one of's but then when i see someone else who's obviously very good do it i'm like oh maybe this is something that you
0: can yeah yeah um i do want to say the blossoming tortoise in this deck makes a lot of sense because he's playing four restless cottage which is the golgari creature land as well as two mishra's foundry just being like i i want my lands to be creatures i want to attack with them and then also you have the tortoise to get them back on the battlefield when they died um yeah so then your creature lands end up being like very important which i think is great um i like that idea and we're coming to like restless cottage is one of the creature lands that was showed up a lot and it's not really one that we really looked at or talked about or cared about all that much but is it the best yeah. one? Does it is it just in the best colors?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's just in like it's just in the most decks kind of thing. Yeah, I've played a lot with this card, and I think it's just as far as creature lands go, it's fine. Gotcha. Um, is it but better... it's certainly the most played one?
0: I mean, obviously, it's better with Blossoming Tortoise, where it only costs three to activate, and it's a five-five. So.
1: Like, yeah, that changes things considerably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like all right. Well, I also numbers. play decks that are a bit tight on mana, so when I'm looking at this, I'm always like, Ugh, "That's like my whole turn." <laughs> exactly.
0: So, um, but I do like that. I also wanted to point out, um, in the sideboard of his deck, he has one Wrinkles Prank, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a card that I've played against a couple times in draft. Which is just like a four mana sorcery that lets you do uh, rankle things. So you get one or more each player discards two cards, loses four life, and sacrifices two creatures. Um, this was the card that flipped him around and like let him beat Reed Duke at the first round, um, mm. because he was he just had a Liliana on board and Reed was Reed's on Domain Ramp, and he had um, the uh, I think he had the flipped Zendikar uh invasion and he had the uh the angel the three four of lifelink angel yeah sure it was looking pretty good but just making him sacrifice most of those creatures without having anything else uh without sacrificing any of his own creatures ended up being the thing that turned the tides and got him to win that game um which i was really surprised to see that that was a card he was playing at all, because it doesn't really seem yeah. like it's something I'd ever want to put in my deck. Um. So yeah. <laughs> Sweet, good. I'm glad it worked out, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's tragic to see Reed losing to Liliana of the Veil. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough. A green black mid range deck playing out of the Veil. Vale. Reads must mm-hmm. be like, no, <laughs> why am I playing this ramp deck? <laughs> uh. Karma, if you've eliminated so many people with extremely similar deck, um, I was noticing the one Ashiok in the sideboard. I don't know what that's mm. for, but uh, there's one Ashiok in the side. Yeah. I guess control. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I
0: yeah, I have no idea. Um so Simon Nielsen is playing Azorius soldiers, which is mm-hmm. very similar to ones we've seen. So I don't want to talk about all that much, but we did get Werewolf's bodyguard. We got one in there. It's one. not a soldier; it's a knight. <laughs> but we got one fox into the top eight. Yeah. I love it. It's important. I knew know. Gonna,
1: that's the card you wanted to mention. Me. I did
0: that one as well as he is playing two Regal Bunnycorns, which I've also yeah. pointed out. Two plus one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, uh, just, you know, reminding everyone that, uh, no, I, I, I helped, I helped.
1: <laughs> I,
0: yeah. I, uh, I saw that so coming. Yeah. Simon also
1: listens to the podcast. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Everyone in to this top eight, actually, is probably. Exactly.
0: Um, but we, uh, we can yeah. probably just keep on skipping through and go to Reed Duke's domain ramp list, um, yeah. which is also, uh, fairly, uh.
1: This is the deck you've played against. You've, yes. Like, there's nothing particularly interesting here. I think the only question mark mm-hmm. is when the new set dropped, some people were very pro up the beanstalk, some people were very anti up the beanstalk. This tournament kind of suggests up the beanstalk might be a good inclusion. Yes. Um, Reed has two plus one. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, I don't really care. I hope these decks put this card in because it's really bad against what I'm doing. So, um, that's great. This, but it's good card draw for the deck. I mean, it it's is plausible to me that this is worth main decking.
0: Yeah, um, everything
1: else is the deck you've been playing against online. You know exactly. Um, since whatever, yeah, since tracks that came out. Yeah, uh, Dominary or no. <clears throat>
0: Whatever, I'll be one. Um, yeah. yeah, I I agree, but I'm in the in the camp of you should just play up the beanstalk because it is good. And
1: oh yeah, I think it probably is worth playing. But mm-hmm. I'm personally happy if these decks start adopting that. Gotcha. Like if they go up to four up the beanstalk main deck, that's their two drop of choice. Mm-hmm. My life gets a little easier because the decks I play are just trying to go underneath this deck. That's all. We don't care how many cards you draw. Like we just True. need to. I guess up the beanstalk will help you find Sunfall occasionally, which is like yeah. My matchup against this deck revolves around Sunfall. Mm-hmm. Um, can we kill them before they find Sunfall, or like have enough left over that we can drain them out after a Sunfall kind of thing?
0: That's true. Uh, I just I hate them drawing cards when they play Leyline Binding. That just really irks me. I. That card is so annoying, and them just getting so much value off of it is just
1: irritating. I think without that interaction, up the beanstalk would be unplayable. Uh, Yes.
0: Or very close to. Um,
1: It would just be too slow, I guess. Mm -hmm. It would be maybe sideboard for release grind. Maybe the mirror match. you bring it in the side.
0: I play Invasion of Zendikar, get lands, and draw a card. Yeah. Yeah. That's not exact. I mean, that
1: attack for 12.
0: Yeah, it does do that. But um, while we're looking at Reed's list, let's also go to Willie's domain ramp list because they are a little bit different. Um, Most notably the card we were just talking about. He's not playing it. So this is if you're in the no beanstalk camp, uh, maybe this is list you're looking closer towards though. I like, you know, Reed has two couriers briefcases and two of the beanstalks. That just seems like a better split. Couriers briefcases. uh, I know a card you like a lot. I don't love. Big fan of couriers briefcases. I I don't love it. Um, It celebrates, I guess. But besides that, um,
1: (laughs) it's a poor man's uh, innkeeper. What was the name of the innkeeper that like
0: prosperous innkeeper?
1: Prosperous in- keeper. yeah, it's a poor man's prosperous mm-hmm. innkeeper.
0: Yes, um, yeah, I very very poor man's. <laughs> it's okay, um,
1: but, but yeah, overall, I have to add these to my, um, <clears throat> you know what? Actually, I've I've come down quite a bit on courier's briefcase for the very simple reason that Tyvar does not return it. Oh, because Tyvar says a creature, like it returns a creature with you know, uh, oh, with right, value right, right, two right, or right. less. And Courier's Briefcase is not actually a creature, even though I think of it as a one one that generates yeah. a token, a treasure one of ETVs. It's a not treasure what the card says, yeah. It's so a treasure. I've started, I've cut it from all my decks because I liked Tyvar too much. <laughs> Good. I yeah. I agree. That's with why that. you haven't seen it in any of my lists recently. Perfect. Because I played, I probably like played a match with it, went to reanimate it, and was like, "What the f-? no? Okay, okay, out." After out. this match, I put a sticky note on my monitor: "Get out of here, briefcase." <laughs>
0: yeah. You know what's funny is that I haven't even noticed that in any of your decks because um, it's not a card I would be looking to add to any deck. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> C- curious lack of courier's briefcase. Huh. In this deck. Why would you do that?
0: Um, <laughs> So we have two more decks to talk about. We have Greg Orange's Bant Control.
1: Um, which... Oh, man, you didn't let me guess. I was going to say, Greg oh, Orange, sorry. my guess, blue-white based control deck. Yeah. <laughs> like he plays in literally every event ever. <laughs> Still does well.
0: <laughs> yeah. So in his list, he did opt for four of the Beanstalks with his Leyline Bindings. Um, but all of his card, almost all of his cards are really expensive. Um,
1: this deck is, like, totally different, by the way. It's, like, um, Horned Lock Whale. Yeah, That's how it plans on winning. And Wandering Emperor. Which... Um, it is just a blue-white control deck. It's playing green for pretty much just up the beanstalk,
0: surprisingly. Yeah. And, like, the...
1: Uh, Bro- there's got to be a Creature Land, right? Uh, no, no. It's not even for the Creature Land. No. Wow.
0: Nothing. So, I mean, I guess you get Basaju. Um...
1: Oh, yeah, best card in standard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most appropriately um, rated card. Out. Yeah, yeah, totally,
0: totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the wandering... is it not the wandering. <laughs> Sorry, the horned uh, lock whale, as I scroll up. Um, yeah. This, i just happy that this made this up eight because this seems like such a, like, goofy card to me. and It, it, it looks like the, like, on one side of it, you know, without the adventure, when you're just looking at it, it's like this is a card that comes in a precon commander deck that just uh, likes whales. Right, you know? Yeah, the the
1: whole like tapped uh you know, yeah. Tapped, yeah, yeah. Tapped unless it's, it's your like, turn. It's a
0: six six that has flash, but it enters the battlefield tapped like on your opponent's turn. Like, oh okay, great. Like okay, so you this, can't ambush things. That's yeah. Stupid. This stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh but obviously it you know, having an instant speed removal spell as the adventure is and fantastic. I love how the
1: I kind of love the duet like the design here. If the creature mm-hmm. can't ambush anything, and then the adventure is ambushing something, like that's all it does.
0: Yeah, like it basically has to be an
1: attacking creature. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but like it I think can't. That's kind of cute. Yeah, that's true. I didn't really think about that. Um, but it can't actually yeah. kill anything. It just puts it on the top or bottom. Your your opponent gets to choose. Um, so so I
1: think what's happening here. Right. I think this card's totally fine control finisher. Mm-hmm. The adventure plus, like, I guess the other thing is you know your opponent has it because they cast the adventure at some point. So it's just sitting there right on the table, um, which is also kind of a knock against it. But I think we've just in recent years have gotten such ridiculous control finishers, mm-hmm. like all the way going back to like Dream Trawler. The people yeah. look at this and they're like, oh, this sucks. Like, the white <laughs> control can't possibly win with this. It's like, it's actually totally fine. Control decks can win with like a 2-2 because they've just dominated everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it just takes longer. The fact that this is a split card goes a long way. We're just used to like a higher caliber of, you know, like some... Crazy friggin octopus, that, or whatever it is, that any any time I play anything, it counters what you do and bounces yeah. your stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> and it can't be countered, and it has flashes. And that card was like, "Is this the control finisher? Should yeah. we stick with the old one?" Like well, <laughs> we just had such ridiculous finishers Well, the thing about that card, card seems so much worse. <laughs>
0: you're, you're talking about a holebreaker horror, of course. Um, yeah. One copies in the sideboard, which I love. I yeah, like, yeah, I, I love the, the.
1: It's still legal. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I I love the idea of having the horned lock whale like in the adventure zone being like, I can play this mm-hmm. anytime. And then right when you're going to tap out to play your, uh, <laughs> Horde lock whale, you just put a hole breaker horn into play instead. And they're yeah. like, Oh,
1: what the fuck?
0: <laughs> I think oh. those
1: mind games are part of it. Like, yeah. You just leave the horn lock whale in the adventure zone. Your mm-hmm. opponents constantly like adjusting like, for it. And you're like wandering. <laughs>
0: yeah. And they're like, <laughs> this oh. is what I'm
1: actually going to be. Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: it's, that's gotta be a huge part of the game plan because yeah, that sounds like so that, that's to the point where I'm like, "Ooh, that sounds like kind of fun," <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, or they're like, "I'm going to have to, uh, you know, really get past this lockway. I'm going to play all my creatures." And you're like, "Cool, untap, sunfall."
0: Yeah. Boom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So it it almost seems like a card that doesn't belong here, but I I love that include and and yeah, great yeah. job throwing this one in again.
1: All. Don't. Craft this deck list because Greg mm-hmm. Orange is an absolute master of blue white-based control decks. Probably the best in the world right now to play. Like maybe Gab Nassif could give him a run for his money in that category. But this is literally all he all he does is play like pro tours and world championships. And he plays blue white control in every single format. He's very, very good at it. Mm-hmm. If you just copy this deck list, probably what's gonna happen is you're gonna blow a bunch of uh, wild cards, wild cards. and then be like, wow, this deck sucks. <laughs> sucks. Yeah. So if you already have these cards, give it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, don't blow your wild cards on this. Absolutely.
0: Um, last up, we have Lorenzo's Esper Midrange, which we could have talked about during our other chunk of midrange decks because um, it's quite similar. Uh, we get another uh, mm-hmm. copy of Lord Skidder. I uh, just love it. I just uh yeah love to Lauren see it Skeeter. Mm-hmm. and he is also playing two copies of restless fortress so that's only three decks in the top eight that are playing creature lands from the new set right which i was expecting eight decks so yeah or at least close to
1: maybe static. would have accepted like six or seven mm-hmm. you know because there's a mono red aggro deck in there or something or something yeah
0: um, but they're playing. If they're playing Monoraid Aggro, they're playing Mishra's whatever. Um, yeah, so they at least have creature lands. I just I was thinking the standard was going to be creature land heavy, you know. Um, so I, I love
1: the one plus one shieldred in this deck. Mm-hmm. This is a person who knows what's up,
0: yeah, just uh, cut cut back, cut back yeah. on the shieldred. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, I think of the top eight decks. The one I would be most interested in is just the Golgari mid range, um, mm-hmm. but those aren't actually the decks I'm interested in playing or crafting. But there are yeah. some that didn't get to the top eight that do look exciting a little bit, a right. little bit, a little bit.
1: I think for me of the top eight, I'm probably going with uh, probably taking Kazune's list and mm-hmm. like cutting a Shieldred for something else because three it's a lot of Shieldred. Yeah. Um, when you also have three wandering emperor, but I love the commitment to the four virtue of loyalty. So mm-hmm. I think that's the deck I would I would take and uh, try to have some fun with.
0: I like that. I like that uh, you're excited by a white card. That's fantastic. Right. That's um, <laughs> rare. It and does I want to And I want to play the rock. That's what's yeah, happening yeah, what to happened? us. What happened to us? Uh, anyway, um, there were eight uh, decks that were kind of featured in an article uh, for this tournament. Uh, I'm sure there are also some more like spicier brews, but these are the ones that uh, we had actually, we didn't really call them out, but we were talking about these decks possibly being in standard. And the fact that people actually brought them to the world championship just makes it so much more exciting. Um, Sorry, as I hydrate just a little bit. um, So the first the first two decks I wanted to to point out is is a combination of cards that I had talked about uh, when all the cards were coming out. And that is like a Cauldron Combo Decks. So yeah, uh, excuse me for mispronouncing this name, but Alexi Poulot, Poulot, is that a French name? Is that why I can't? Yeah,
1: I would say Poulot, but thank you.
0: Um, Alexi Polo uh, is playing uh, a Simic Cauldron uh, combo deck, as and then David Olsen is playing a mono-blue version of the Cauldron deck. And yeah. I talked about this previously, but the combo is you have Agatha's Soul Cauldron, which is an artifact that cares about exiling creatures from your graveyard. And then um, creatures on the battlefield that have plus one, plus one counters on them uh, have the activated abilities of creatures that you've exiled with the cauldron. And you're just trying to get infinite mana. So you use Kami of Whispered Hopes, which is a mana dork that uh, it's yeah it makes mana equal to its power and you can put counters on it and it gets huge. And then Sleep Cursed Fairy lets you untap it for two mana. So you just do 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 do, do, do. make a million mana. And uh, the finisher is Realm Scorcher Hellkite which uh you also can exile with the cauldron because it has an activated ability which is the only thing that matters which is one in red
1: it deals one damage to any target i like that redundancy of you know i'm not just screwed if i mill my win condition or i don't have to play more than one copy Mm because like um i kind of want to exile it anyways Mm -hmm. yeah you called out this deck. I played against it a couple of times in the ladder, actually. Not probably not this, any either of these exact lists, but essentially this idea. Honestly, I wasn't impressed. But mm-hmm. uh, again, I tend to be playing these like aggro decks with reach in the form of the Oni call table. So yeah, this seems like a matchup that would be favored for me anyway. Yeah. Um, they're were, they were just like dirtling around too long, basically. Totally. but I um, will also say, I see why Lord Skidder was getting the job done this weekend, because that guy can exile a lot of cards from the graveyard it's, if you yeah. don't play any removal. <laughs> yes. Um,
0: which will really hose this deck. Um, yeah. This is the one I had in mind originally. However... I think I like the mono blue version better. Um, just because I have the same
1: thought, like just reading the deck list, I'm like, oh, we could do this with just mono blue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to be. Yeah.
0: So this is a mono blue deck, uh, and this combo is using Training Grounds, which we were laughing at when it was introduced. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so Training Grounds was reprinted in the aftermath set, and it's just an enchantment that makes activated abilities cost two less. Um, and so you're you're using Omen Hawker, which is a, a a good draft card from March of the Machine that you can tap it and you get one and a blue, and you can only spend that mana to activate abilities. Which is
1: yeah,
0: like, okay, great. Um, and then the same thing with Sleep cursed Fae, but you need training grounds so that you net mana instead of just tapping and untapping right. a million times.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but it's I was so janky, it's so janky. Uh, but I was laughing because uh, this deck plays four copies of Sleight of Hand, which we had joked about being like, Why the fuck did they reprint this card? Who's gonna play this card? Um, to be well, fair, okay,
1: it was more about that was like the card they previewed. That's true. Oh, that's get true. excited about our upcoming set. We have Sleight of, Hand. of hands yeah. <laughs> Who's getting the only person getting pumped for that was David Olsen, apparently, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> They are winning the game the same way with the Realm Scorcher Hellkite. Um yeah. this deck is also only running nineteen lands. Uh I know, it, I saw
1: that. It's yeah. like
0: crazy. But ev- all their Ugh. like their actual cards, like they everything costs two or less. And uh except for they have a sort of uh once in future in their sideboard that costs three. But everything else right. is two or less, so okay. I can kind of see it. And most of your cards are like a hypnotic grifter where you're just trying to um connive through your deck so that you can find your win condition um but as well as rona herald of invasion does the same type of thing where you draw a card discard cards because you're just looking for your Hellkite. um but uh you do have a surge engine which is another random
1: that's the spicy inclusion i like
0: so you have four surge engines which is just that artifact that uh um it's from uh, brothers war i don't know it's mono blue and it has a bunch of
1: abilities and it levels up basically it's the classic like level up design mm-hmm. the, um
0: but no, this this card armor. you you could actually win the game with that like you could play this and then counter everybody's removal and just like attack them yeah. and and kill yeah. them with this this card so right that is why I like this one a bit more because you
1: do have this like backup um now if you have uh like surge engine under the cauldron Mm -hmm. does that turn all of your creatures into surge engines um I believe so yeah just because it says like surge engine loses defender Mm mm-hmm was so, the creature have like this? Creature loses defender.
0: Correct. Yeah. So anytime a card says the name of the card on the card, it mm-hmm. it really means this card does
1: that. Okay. Because yeah. um, sometimes they write this creature, mm-hmm. and so uh, that's where I was lacking that clarity. But I figured if someone brought it to the World Championship, it must work the work way that, the way that they yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know it seems like it should.
0: Yeah. I'm uh, very positive. I actually played a, a commander deck that had that a very specific scenario uh, involved, right. um, where I had like Lazav would turn into different creatures in my graveyard, All and right, uh, I very much needed Lazav to turn into Phage the Untouchable to kill people. Um, gotcha. And so <laughs> that was a very important ruling I had to figure out.
1: Like, no, it's not when. No. Yeah, ah, oh, then the battlefield, I lose. It's when Phage, yeah, yeah,
0: the so that's fine. And when I hit you, they're like, oh no, it you know, Phage has to hit me. I was like, well, that ability actually says this creature, so um,
1: and yeah. that ended up being fine because so. Lazov keeps its name or something, right? Yes, that's so all um, there, yeah, so it's all whatever, yeah. But... This is a this is a cool deck. I can't play a deck with 19 lines. <laughs>
0: I would probably take out a sleight of hand and put in the land. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: I guess that's true. You have four sleight of hands, so. Mm-hmm. I.
0: But, you know, I yeah, didn't I go to the world championship. Like, uh, I'm not trying to throw shade true. on anybody. But 19 does seem oh, no. pretty light, even for me. Or um, yeah. like in auras, I would play like 20. So,
1: um, yeah. I'm used like to 20, playing 20 makes me nervous. I've had decks where I had 23 lands and I was like, they're so nervous about it. Like, oh, it was not about yeah. um, all your cards. I was cards... playing like Seder Wayfinders and stuff. And that's how I was trying to cheat on the land count. Yeah. yeah. But it was like, I should probably play 24.
0: <laughs> I mean, like when you're playing four considers and four slide of hands, it does. The worst thing that happens is when you have a deck that draws a bunch of cards. This one doesn't necessarily do that. Um, but in auras specifically, <laughs> and tell me to shut up whenever you want me to talk about, stop oh, talking about auras. Yeah, like, the worst yeah. thing is where you play like three or four auras and all you draw is lands. And then you're yeah. like, well, right. now I'm just going to lose because I missed a point of damage. Um, I just had, I just needed to draw anything that wasn't a land. Um, yeah. So you have enough of those games and you're like, fuck this, take it out. Um, probably not the smartest one. Yeah.
1: That's fair, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. All right, Jeff, I want you to bring us home on this one Um, because it's I don't I don't find it particularly spicy, but Mm -hmm. I like that it was added to this list and I like the person that brought it to this tournament. Um, It's a deck you like with a player we both like. Uh, (laughs) So Benton Madsen brought Rakdos Sacrifice and I wanted to hear. What you thought about this and his
1: version of this deck, yeah, um go for it. This is not even close to what I play, okay I mean, <laughs> sort of there's like a the sixteen card overlap, right? Mm-hmm. but this is a super aggro version of the deck, yeah, this is probably about as aggressive as you can make this, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think that mm-hmm. is a choice you can make Godric is really cool in this deck like you know we've talked about Godric I've Mm -hmm. explicitly talked about how I like Godric a lot Um, I didn't really think of him as a candidate for this deck but it makes sense because this deck turns on celebration so easily like all Mm -hmm. of its cards make an artifact or uh, Oni Cult Anvil itself adds Mm -hmm. like an artifact every turn. So um, Godric will almost always be a 4 4 in this deck. Mm-hmm. So that's really awesome. And I think that's the genesis of what happened here. They were like, hey, this deck is amazing at turning on celebration. Godric is really good when you always have celebration. And that's what informed all the decisions to make this super aggro. I have never, ever, ever liked Robrask's Forge. I think that card sucks. <laughs> and people put it in this deck, like even without Godric, it makes more sense because it turns on celebration. Like if your if your starting point is Godric is good in this deck,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it makes more sense as an inclusion. But I can't get behind four Brasks Forge. That card is awful. Um, and then you can see they also put in like Kumano faces Kakazan, mm-hmm. and some stuff like that to get it even more aggro. Uh, Razor Lash, Transmigrant, that kind of stuff. Main deck. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I think it's a neat idea. I would I would build it differently because I wouldn't be playing the Forge. Like, this is the top of your curve too. Um, is really nothing better than Urbex Forge.
0: You're right. I I, I do agree because Urbex Forge does like it doesn't start doing anything for like three or four turns. Yeah. Like, it really sucks the turn it comes down. Um, And I
1: get that I can sack the token with the anvil. Like, me. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But but you often want to not activate the anvil on your turn. So um, this is something maybe not a lot of people who play, people who don't play Oni Cult Anvil a lot Mm -hmm. maybe don't know. One of the biggest tips I can give you about Oni Cult Anvil is if you can trigger it without activating it. Mm Mm-hmm you probably, that's like, that's the dream and you want this untapped because there's a lot of like, especially now there's the new removal spell that kills something and gains three life Mm -hmm. and you really don't want that to happen so you hold this ability up so that they target one of your creatures, you just sack it it kind of forces them to like kill your pointless full dare Epicure just to gain the three life because everything else you'll sack and you'll uh, fizzle their spell yeah so people you know think oh urbrass forge makes so much sense i attack with this creature and then i sack it after mm-hmm. it's like well first of all by the time urbrass forge comes down that creature is getting blocked so you're mm-hmm. really just sacking it to the anvil you're probably not generating a new one one because this deck is so good at making the one one every turn that you didn't need the forge to do that and so you're pinging for one, but you're tapping your anvil to do it. So like, yeah, I think Urbrask's Forge is really bad. Real and quick. Like you're saying, it takes way too long to get going.
0: Yeah, Urbrask's Forge doesn't even make an artifact creature token, right? It just makes a creature token. Oh. So it's even worse.
1: I, yeah, I mean, yeah. i never played this card Yeah, X1, Red, Phyrexian. Oh, yeah, this was during the time when I was like... A lot of Phyrexians
0: look... Like artifacts?
1: Like artifacts, and I was always like, I don't know what's an artifact and what's not. Yeah, okay, well, this card's the best thing this card does is you can sack it to the anvil. (laughs) For three mana. Not not feel bad. Three mana
0: that you're playing (laughs) this card. It's it's horrible. No, yeah, because... Benton's
1: a better player than me, so they had a reason for this, but... uh, I... I've never liked it. do get it.
0: Um, I think I'm leading on your side. It's probably in there because you're playing Vran and so you want creatures to die. So just like a creature dying is good. But, you know, when you have Sir Ginger and stuff, you you want it yeah. to be, you you want them to I think be that's artifacts. what it is.
1: It's Sir Ginger, it's Fran. Oh yeah, it doesn't even trigger Sir Ginger.
0: No, it doesn't. Yeah,
1: so this card's even worse than I, th- I didn't like it when I thought it triggered Sir Ginger. And when I thought it played well with Anvil. It's really just here for Godric, I think. Yeah, like, I guess you're, it's... you're just trying to turn on Godric all the just... time, but I I don't think you need it. Like you can already turn on Godric. Every That's turn.
0: yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's like you play a creature and you have Irresist Forge, which makes another creature every turn. So when you play your Vran or your whatever um, that doesn't bring a token with it, uh, Godric will always turn into a dragon. Yeah. But eat, you know, four copies feels like a lot, um, but. Anyway, Benton, if you're listening to this, please come on the show and explain to us why we're wrong and why Earrest Forge yeah. needs to be in the deck. Um, but I just wanted to point him out because uh, obviously he made the the finals of a pro tour playing my favorite deck. So the fact that he brought your favorite deck to this tournament.
1: Is, yeah, that was kind of cool. That was really um, cool. I, I had the same exact thought when I was like, Benton Max, why do I know that name? Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this player. <laughs> uh also, there's a copy of the Brain in this sideboard. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure this one out. I think this is for a deck that we're probably about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We referenced previously on the show and kind of talking. Wouldn't it be cool if this was a real deck? I think this is for Cascade. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can't think of another reason you would play this card. I mean probably.
0: Um yeah, you know, playing the stone brain to just rip out all of their uh invasion of Alaras. Like that. yeah, like so their deck just the doesn't move. do anything now. Yeah, and now it's just <laughs> over. Um yeah. I mean that makes a lot of sense. Um that deck did make it to the tournament. Um also playing Boulder Branch Golem, which I, I just I, I understand why it's in there, but it's just surprising <laughs> to see something yeah. like that. Um but uh but yeah i think i kind of said my piece about this last time uh we were discussing it but yeah. uh yeah cool you know it's uh it made it um right and uh, so congratulations you you got uh your you. yes <laughs> Bramble familiar looks like it uh it didn't like you know do super well but yeah. the exact deck you were talking about for that card did make it to the world championship so Yes, it right. invasion yeah. of
1: alara um mm-hmm. yeah so if you want to hear more about that deck go check out uh first sips episode
0: yeah um jeff there there are a couple other decks but really the one i want to look at and i know you want to talk about and we've been kind of alluding to this entire episode is shoda yasaoka's tie fairies deck mm-hmm. soul fairies interesting I don't remember any green fairies being printed. Let's let's see. There's black. There's blue. <laughs> hmm, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Where's the green card. Where's the green cards? Wait. There's I'm no green. I'm not seeing any. There's, there's no, no green cards. There's no green cards in this entire deck. Oh, Why is there it... a lot
1: of green lands though?
0: Oh, that's weird. Why are we playing green lands with no green cards? Hmm. Interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I found it. Ah. Well Seiju. you
0: uh well no that's not the card i was thinking about <laughs> <laughs> um no so shota amazing player fantastic builder plays like Demir fairies a you mm-hmm. know a variation of it um but yeah. changes the mana base completely just to play four restless cottages yeah because that's Which how um, the
1: green black creature land
0: that that's how important it is to have these Creature lands in your deck. This deck made sense to me. I was like, there we go. Yeah. Creature lands. Finally.
1: Yes. Like, somebody really <laughs> yeah, again, respecting... Yeah, I don't know how well Shota did. Yeah, it's uh... true.
0: But, like, you know, splashing a color for a land is hilarious. Like,
1: no one says that ever. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the other things to sort of call out about what Shota's done here is when you build a Two color deck, you very quickly actually run out of, uh, especially a two color deck where you want your lands untapped kind of all the time. Mm-hmm. You pretty quickly run out of good lands. To be like mm-hmm. perfectly honest, like what after his he puts in four dark slick shorts, he starts to go all right what am I? What else am I gonna play in my mana base? Like, mm-hmm. I'll play shipwreck march, but I'm marsh, but I'm not happy about it. Yeah. And, like, Underground River, I guess, is fine, too. Uh, what am I going to do? And most players default to, like, Mirex or mm-hmm. um, the Colorless Creature Land, mm-hmm. for example. So Shona's not actually giving up much here because he gets, you know, Dream Root Cascade is pretty similar to an island. Um, or, sorry, not Dream Root Cascade. What's the the other one? The I don't uh, he's actually playing a lot of the he's actually playing a lot of slow lands, but yeah. uh, interesting. But like, you know, in his mind, that's pretty similar to that would just be an island if it mm-hmm. was a two color deck. Here, it's going to be an island and a green source, and then instead of playing the colorless creature land, he's opted for what he believes is a stronger creature land in the restless cottage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like. Where how this came together makes sense to me. Um, I think personally, like with all the green sources, it feels like we could have had some green cards in our sideboard that or, yeah. might like target specific decks a little Match-ups. better than this like blue black sideboard does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, again, it's so interesting to question people who are not only better than me but also have put a lot of time into the deckless list like mm-hmm. they just whip it together so um there are reasons behind everything
0: yeah i think it's really interesting because then if you don't have any green cards you're ever trying to play then your brain will automatically um default to uh caring less about those lands you never have to have a moment where like you're like can i put this green land into play tapped am i going to like, am I worried about playing a green card? Like you don't yeah. have those issues. You're just like the green sources don't matter as much as the blue black ones. Um, and that's just like built into you and you're never going to make a mistake uh, where you're like, shit, I forgot I cited in those green cards.
1: I needed that the other way. Um, there was anyone but Shota, I would say. Yeah, you're probably right. But he's uh, <laughs> he I don't think he would problem. shy away from uh, complexity.
0: Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. Um,
1: it but... reminds me a bit of when rogues used to play the Soul Tide Lands. Now, that was mm-hmm. just because they cycled and whatever. Yeah, they needed but it good. used yeah. used to actually come up pretty often because you'd steal an opponent's thing that had a green activated ability. Mm-hmm. and You're just like, good thing I have these fucking Zagoth Trials. Yeah. Around. <laughs> um, this is kind of that, but on steroids. It's like, mm-hmm. I actually have all these green lands in there for a reason. Not yeah. just because that's all I could get from the mana base available to me in standard. Because, you know, to your point earlier about Restless Cottage, maybe is it the best one? This could be Esper. Right that's like, true. If yeah, you Shota could... valued the black white land more, mm-hmm. that's what he then... would have played.
0: That's true. The the black white one
1: I don't or know. Or the I... blue green one. He could have valued the blue green one. Yeah. Higher. Black green one. Yeah. Mm-hmm actually yeah, that would Resson's be kind of cottage was the one he liked
0: yeah which is really interesting and i want to know why because the blue green mm-hmm. one i was originally super low on obviously it's the most expensive but turning one of your fairies into a three three sounds pretty good as well as your tag with a five five a trample
1: it's probably just too expensive for the deck i mean i guess he has 26 land. that's a lot of it yeah.
0: yeah he should be playing 19s yeah 19,
1: <laughs> <laughs> 19.
0: <laughs> um But anyway, Jeff, I think we're uh, kind of getting to the end of our beers here. Um, Yeah, there are a couple other decks uh, kind of lying around, but these are the ones I thought seemed the most interesting, honestly. Um, Yeah, for sure. And of everything, I mean, like, it seems like you have your deck that you're going to be playing most of the time. But if you had to play a different one of all of the decks, which one are you picking?
1: I have to pick one from this the list that we talked about today just all the
0: decks that we talked about today
1: yeah uh I think I'm gonna take Mm -hmm. there are some cool ones I
0: can go first Okay. okay so I'm probably like the thing that I do think sounds like a lot of fun is playing more mono blue decks so this yeah, yeah. Cauldron mono deck, blue
1: culture combo deck,
0: yeah, does seem like a thing that it's like, ooh, I do like that, um, and maybe upping the land count just a little bit until I get frustrated and then rip them back out. Um, but David Olson's mono blue culture deck does seem like the kind of thing I would want to try out, as well as well. The only bad thing is that you have to
1: spend four wild cards on training grounds, which you're never gonna use again.
0: Um uh, yeah. I mean you know, come on,
1: man. Even like the mythic wild cards on Soul Cauldron this game. Kind of...
0: Yeah, but I could play the other Soul Cauldron decks. You know, you never know <laughs> what's gonna happen. There there could be more cool activated abilities in the future, so you never know.
1: That's true. I mean, this thing's gonna be around for fucking ever. So yeah.
0: <laughs> three years. God damn it. Um but yeah, anyway, that's I'm going to I'm going to play Mono Blue Soul Cauldron. I think that's I think that's the
1: the plan for me. Nice. I'm kind of like I kind of want to know what's up with Shota's deck. Like a fairy stack interests me. Mm-hmm. And I have the restless cottages because I shamelessly crafted them to build mm-hmm. the decks that I wanted to play. Important. Um I think I could build this relatively cheaply because I have all these cards. Mhm. And I just kind of want to see what's up. I also won't play Benton's list exactly, but I'm definitely interested in trying to work Godric in to the mm-hmm. lists that I'm already playing. Um, but I kind of see those as flings. Like I'm going gotcha. to try them a couple For of times. Bit, and then yeah. be like, yeah. I think the deck that calls to me the most is still uh, the the Orzov Because you need... Um, with blue Kizunistic. yeah 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 probably and you know if bet. i'm not seeing a lot of aggro maybe i don't even play the blue it's just it's just like orza mid-range
0: yeah that makes sense sounds super sweet excited or
1: virtue of loyalty
0: yeah there you go virtue of loyalty okay. um but excited for standard and uh all the things we have going on with that uh in the future uh jeff let's go to last call. Let's rate this beer we have in front of us, Boneyard Bay. Um, But before we get into that, as always, we rate our beers on a scale of Bronze to Mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. Hey, look at that. Uh, This has nothing to do with what tier you are in currently, um, not to hurt anyone's feelings. Uh, Everyone's in different tiers at different times. I haven't been playing for a while, so I fell down quite a bit. but, I've been uh, playing the
1: events. so
0: Yeah, so it just uh, doesn't really like affect you sometimes. You know, hey, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but with that being said, bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. You can't uh, even drink them. You have to
1: spit them out and pour them down the drain. Right. Silver are bad beers or just boring beers. So, you know, even solid macro brews find themselves mm-hmm. here just because they're uninteresting.
0: Yeah. Uh, Gold beers are fine, but you uh, wouldn't really drink them again.
1: Platinum are really solid. You would definitely drink this again. Mm
0: -hmm. Diamond beers are exceptional. You like these a lot, and you would uh, bring these to your friends and have them taste them.
1: And Mythic, these are the best of the best. You won't stop recommending them. You won't stop talking about them. These are the... uh, Mono blue cauldrons of the, uh,
0: of the beer world. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Anyway, Jeff, um, if you've made it this far in the episode, um, this means you actually care about the beer part of the episodes, um, and so this is our our telling you that you know life is changing, and drinking so much beer uh, is We're difficult. Sorry. To, it's yeah, <laughs> it's difficult to schedule. Uh, To make sure that both of us have a day, we can uh, relax a little bit the next day. Um, So we're going to be drinking a little bit less beer now.
1: My son uh, is like a a stochastic process of like, I would say a good 33% chance of waking up at five in the morning. Mm -hmm. So that. There's always that like bomb waiting the next day that my, my day might start at five in the morning. Yeah.
0: So. And it might start badly because we drank, uh, way too many beers. Yeah. Um, so we'll be drinking one beer each week. Um, if that is frustrating to you, go to our discord channel, tell us uh, what you think about that. No, we need more beer. Um, yeah, I don't, and anticipate... we will pretend to drink them on air. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Anyway, Jeff, let's get to it. Uh, Boneyard yep. Bay. Uh, this is the beer we we're rating this evening. White IPA. Uh, what would you think?
1: I have a I have another name. I'm going to call this. Okay. Boneyard Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, I would agree with you. Yeah. This this was just flat. It just. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, like, overtly wrong with it. I just thought it was super boring. Yes. Um, When you drink an IPA, especially a white IPA, right? Because a white IPA is supposed to have that kind of weediness going on. It's supposed to kind of be like a fresh alternative to Mm -hmm. an IPA. Yeah. You're kind of expecting some flavor. And, you know, I know IPAs are kind of on their way out in terms of popularity and you know, the other, you know, loggers or or King now or whatever, uh, Hefeweissens, whatever people are going crazy for these days, they're weirdo banana beers. But uh, <laughs> like when you drink an IPA, it should be like a big bold flavor. And this was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. It, was, it was, it was flat.
0: I, I agree. Uh, you know, it just tasted like a lot of other IPAs I've had. I don't think that it just doesn't have any flavor, but I think that it just it wasn't uh you know, a touts being kind of interesting and different and uh a bridge between two beers and that kind of thing, which you would expect from a white IPA. Yeah. I'm not gonna drink this again. This is a gold.
1: It's gold. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's fine. Nothing too terribly offensive. Um if this is sitting... I took
1: like one sip and I was like, Yeah, it's gold.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if this is sitting next to a Budweiser like maybe and I'm like on a boat and like there's no other options and I can't walk away you know right then I guess that this is what I'll get but I won't be happy oh uh,
1: I might take the butt
0: ah that's true <laughs> you know you know the more we if do I'm on this, a
1: boat like I'm and, and that's true that's true
0: um yeah the more we do this the more we realize that uh you know there are some you know silver beers we originally said like ah these aren't worth it that like they creep up and the 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 silver yeah. gold line kind of overlaps a little bit depending on um for sure what's uh what's happening but
1: anyway um, yeah this was gold um yep
0: yep it's gold cool uh Jeff let's go to closing time so you can yep. always reach us at arena regulars on Instagram and the platform formerly known as Twitter
1: <laughs> you may find us on Arena itself. Uh, we conceivably could be under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. That's
0: true. Uh, if you want to find me personally, you can find me at Zulberg, that is Z E U L B E R G on Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you?
1: Best place is at our Discord channel. I go by Regular Jeff there. Uh, you can see all of my updated lists on Oni Cult and VIL themed uh, standard decks blessed place to find the link for that the show notes
0: that is right come hang out with us uh also please leave us a review on apple podcasts follow us on spotify leave us a review there as well go to our youtube channel hit all the buttons every one that they say um all that just helps out a lot and uh, it gets our podcast uh into new ears and new eyes this has been the arena regulars
1: reminding you that Esper Legends is still the best deck in standard. Good night.
0: (sighs) All right, that's fine.